Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela E is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yimby's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. Welcome to the final installment of our From Home series. As American restaurants begin their slow march toward a new normal, I wanted to share a few more poignant insights from three special members of the food world. We'll hear from a chef, a bartender, and a writer about simple home cooking tips, essential comfort food memories, and their optimistic and romantic views for the new food industry that awaits us on the other side of this. First, Chef Corey Barr. Hey y'all, my name is Corey Barr. I'm the chef and owner of Parish Restaurant and Bar, Bar Food Truck, Heritage Catering, and Standard Coffee, located in Monroe, Louisiana. Corey has some pro tips for a classic sauce that should be in the repertoire of all confident home cooks. My wife and myself both have a passion for red bolognese. It's simple, it's easy, it can last all week. Well, it can last all week if you don't eat it like we do, but, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that's not only is it fun to make, but it's super delicious. So as you all know, it's, it's like mom's red sauce. So we start off by browning some Wagyu beef. We use a sofrito of onion, garlic, and carrot. We fold all that together with some red wine, bay leaf, a little bit of sage. One of our secret ingredients we love to add is some fresh ground clove. We cook that down slowly, then we combine that with tomato. It's a very, very simple dish that just goes well with just about everything. Next, a rising star of Atlanta's food and beverage world, Tequila Sears. Hey y'all, it's Toki Sears here. I am the lead bartender at Bar Margot in the Four Seasons Hotel in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a bartender, a mixologist, a liquid chef, a part-time comedian, best friend, sometimes a bouncer. I wear different hats. <laughs> I love doing cocktail competitions and training bartenders and 
learning about different spirits and talking about cocktail culture and history. I absolutely love the industry I work in. Tequila is a bartender after my own heart because she explains things using precise ratios. Pay close attention to this cocktail-making tip because if you remember it, you'll be able to fashion not one but many fantastic drinks with just a couple basic ingredients. I know a lot of people have been making cocktails at home during this quarantine, but I found that one of the easiest recipes is a simple sour recipe that you can use with literally any spirit that you have already at home. Whether you have vodka or some gin or some tequila, rum, whiskey or bourbon, you can use the same standard recipe to make some really easy, refreshing cocktails at home. That recipe is two ounces spirit to three quarters ounce of lemon or lime juice and three quarters ounce of simple syrup. You can use simple syrup, you can use honey syrup, you can use brown sugar syrup, turbinado sugar syrup, you can use agave nectar syrup. You know, you can make some syrup out of artificial sweetener if you want some sweet and low syrup. So it's all about the balance and it's super, super easy. One of my favorite versions is a gin gimlet, which is basically just a gin sour with lime juice. And I love taking that standard recipe and incorporating different things that I have in the kitchen. I guarantee you, you have items at home that you can put into your cocktails. So for example, like right now, let me see. In my fridge, I have some, I love fresh fruit. I have some strawberries, some raspberries, got a little bit of watermelon. Some people like spicy cocktails. I've got some serrano peppers. Eggs, always keep eggs. Eggs are a staple. Cream. Oh, also in my fridge, herbs. Herbs are great in cocktails too. I have some basil. I think I got some mint in there, some rosemary, and some thyme. But in my cabinet, I've got some spices and some teas. Oftentimes when I'm at the store, if I'm at the farmer's market, or sometimes I'll pick up something out and about at a lot of these community gardens that have been surfacing all over the city, which is absolutely great. I might pick up, you know, some exotic honeys. I shouldn't say exotic, some (laughs) rare honeys and different, you know, teas and spice blends and stuff like that. But right now what I have, I've got some vanilla black tea, got some organic mint tea, cinnamon sticks, got some allspice, some star anise. All of those things can be used to muddle into your cocktail or to infuse into your simple syrups to kind of elevate your cocktail. So what I made this evening a few moments ago, I made a strawberry gin gimlet. And so I just kept that same recipe, the two ounces to three quarters ounce to three quarters ounce and muddled some fresh strawberries in it. Shook it up really nice and double strained. Absolutely delicious. Nothing beats a fresh cocktail with fresh ingredients. I mean, nothing beats it. And our third and final submission comes from a writer whom I very much admire. Hey there, my name's John T. Edge, and I live and work in Oxford, Mississippi, just off the square. I write for a living, and I direct the Southern Foodways Alliance, which is based at the University of Mississippi. We tell stories about the South to change the South for the better. John T. Edge, or Jaunty as he's sometimes called, has a special ability to convert the description of a simple recipe into poetry. Case in point, onion burgers. Since the long pause began, 
our son Jess and I have been cooking more burgers. Specifically, we've been cooking onion burgers. Now, I first ate onion burgers back when I wrote a book called Hamburgers and Fries, an American Story. And I fell in love with these onion burgers. And more recently, I've discovered a newer style of that, or at least newer to me, in a little town in Kentucky, a little place called Lehay's Red Castle. Just off the square in Bardstown, Kentucky, Lehay's Red Castle is owned by Anita Lehay and her husband. And the way they do it is they smash burgers flat on a griddle aged by time and grease. And then they put onions on top of that, let them steam, smash it all, put buns on top of that, let the buns steam, then flip and cook, not the buns, but the burgers, until they kind of turn black. It's not a kind of to it, until they blacken. And that grease and that onion turns into a mass that coats the bottom of that griddle. And then what the cooks do, if you want your burger nasty, is you scrape the griddle, and in addition to putting cheese on your burger and mustard, which I usually do, They'll put the nasty on top. And to eat a nasty burger at Lehay's Red Castle in Hodgenville, Kentucky, is to taste the, I don't know, the, the apotheosis of beef and onion, to taste what happens when grocery store hamburger meat becomes the best thing it can be. And so over the break, over this break, our son and I have been cooking a lot of Lehay's burgers. We also, if you look at our cupboard, you'll see evidence of the other things we cook. A lot of beans, a lot of peas. I'd like to think we're not cooking them because they're vogue, but we're cooking them because I always like to cook them. I like the way that beans or peas start out as rocks, and when you cook them for a long time, they become something sumptuous. They become something luxurious. Also, John gave us a great example of how neighbors have evolved to help each other with delicious results. We also have a friend, a guy named Luke High School, who has Whiskey Ranch here in Oxford. And I can leave my cooler out on the porch and Luke will drop in a couple of ribeyes or some ground beef after he kills a cow. This is a new development since the COVID pause began. It used to be Luke sold through other channels, or maybe he didn't even sell often. But now Luke will text me, I'll Venmo him bucks, and he'll drop our beef. All three of our guests have been cooking their favorite comfort foods, and their menus do not disappoint. Corey has found the time to realize how much work it takes to make an American classic. For me, my ultimate comfort dish is my grandmother's fried chicken. You know, a lot of people don't understand this, I guess, through convenience or fast food restaurants now, is that fried chicken is a process, and it's a messy, long process to make delicious fried chicken. From sourcing a great chicken, to cutting it up, to brining it, to frying it, to cleaning up afterwards. And every time my grandmother would fry chicken, it was the most special times, and I would just eat a mountain of it. And that's what brings me back and makes me happy when I try my best, which I very seldom succeed to her level, to recreate her fried chicken. That warms my heart, warms my soul, and, and really brings me back to my childhood. Takiwa also turned to a memory of her grandmother for comfort during quarantine. Food is almost like a hug, like a hug on the inside. I know one of my favorite comfort foods are short ribs. I'm crazy about some short ribs. I just remember the first time I had short ribs, 
I was probably about four or five, and my grandma, <laughs> one of my first first memories I can remember vividly, but my grandma, she was uh, searing some, some short ribs, and I could just smell just that savory, that umami in the air, and I was always very inquisitive, and so I remember tugging on her. <laughs> she had a little apron on. I remember tugging on her, her chef apron while she was cooking and asking her, what she was making, and she gave me a little a little bite, and I was hooked. Fatty cuts of meat comfort me so, so good. John T. Edge has also turned to a family memory, but one from their trips into the big city, not from their home kitchen. It's a dish so odd and dear to my heart, I put a recipe for it in my book, also called From Scratch. When I want to tap the nostalgia vein, I cook egg foo young. It's the kind of dish I first tasted when my parents and I travel from small town Georgia, from a little town called Clinton that was more like 50 people, not really a town, to Atlanta. And in Atlanta, we went to this place called House of Ing, and they had egg drop soup, and they had egg rolls, and they served egg foo young. And man, I love that egg foo young. Chunks of lacquered pork, you know, in basically a deep fried omelet smothered in brown sauce with white rice. And so, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, I made egg foo young for the first time. It's a dish that's getting harder and harder to find in kind of Americanized Chinese restaurants as Szechuan this or black bean that kind of pushes it out. But I love that dish. And it turns out it's not that hard to make. I mean, it basically is a deep fried omelet kind of thickened with bamboo shoots and maybe some bean sprouts. First time I cooked it, I used leftover barbecue pork that Jess and I had cooked on the big green egg instead of you know, lacquered Chinese pork. Came out pretty great. And finally, we asked our guests to share their thoughts on what they're looking forward to and what they think their industry may look like in the near future. So I wonder what happens after this to our industry. It's so hard to to gauge. I do know that we've been doing a great job of being there for one another. But it's very uncertain, and it's kind of scary, but it's very uncertain in the unknown. So I just want to encourage everybody to keep their head up. I know that it's kind of hard, especially those that are dealing with the negative effects on their businesses and restaurants. And the economy is uh, rough right now. Lots of people have lost their jobs. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're hearing my voice, the people that know me know that I support local, eat local, be local. You know, nobody travels to your community to eat at a chain restaurant. They're traveling there to eat at your your little mom and pops, your maybe fine dining destinations, that barbecue joint that really does it right. Those are the people that you need to be out there supporting. You need to be giving them your love, your attention, and your finances because that's what makes your community special. And without you as the consumer, you as the guest, you as the lifeblood of what we do in restaurants, we can't survive this. I think that there has been a lot of innovation out of these challenging times we're in right now. But I do know that as an industry, we're going to definitely come back better and stronger and uh, smarter than ever. I truly feel like over the next three to five years, we're going to see an explosion of restaurants in smaller cities across America where people have moved back from the larger cities post-pandemic to create their dream and their vision for their perfect restaurant. 
We just have to stay positive. I think we just take it one day at a time and take care of ourselves. Don't forget kindness. I borrow it from my wife, who reminds me of what empathy yields. Be kind, because that's, <laughs> that's what this moment needs, because it's an ugly time. And if we can help each other bring a little light in a dark moment. We will pull through. We will pull through, and we'll get back to having fun. I can't wait to get back in there and greet people, welcome them into our dining rooms, love on them, tell them how much we miss them, and just try to not forget, but try to put this into perspective in that life is going on and life is wonderful and how fortunate we all are to be here, be together, sharing a meal, sharing a cocktail, you know, with friends and family and, and, and loved ones. When we all get out of pandemic jail, and only then, I want to climb the stairs to the city grocery bar. I want to look Cooney, the bartender, in the eye, and I want whiskey. Maker's Mark, because they've been so good to so many in this moment, aiding Edward Lee and the Lee Initiative and feeding hospitality workers. I'll just take Maker's on the rocks, and I'll toast Ed Lee, and I'll toast all the people who have served in this moment and will serve us all when we get to the other side. That's what I want. I want to walk into my local. I want to climb the stairs. I want to claim a seat, claim a drink, talk to a friend, and toast good work that's gone on during this long and ugly and fitful pause. Thanks to Takiwa Sears, Corey Barr, and John T. Edge for your powerful and inspirational words. I'll hope that I can cheers with you each in person sometime soon. And thanks to all the chefs, writers, beer makers, bartenders, and more who have shared their thoughts from their homes during this series. It's been a pleasure to hear from you all, to hear about what you're cooking, how you're coping, and what you're looking forward to. It's also a reminder that food and cooking is one of the most powerful connectors we have. It brings us together. It reinforces memories of those we've loved and lost. It brings nourishment and comfort. As Takiwa said, it's like a hug. From Home was created by Christopher Hasiotis and produced by the food and travel team at iHeartRadio. From Scratch will resume normal publishing later this year with season two as we, like the restaurant industry, return to a semi-normal state of being. We'll see you then. Stay safe, everyone, and never stop cooking. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursion? Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council.
Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app.